Welcome to the Bourbon Boys. This week I'm joined by Murphy Quint from Cedar Ridge. How's it going, Murphy? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Not too bad. Uh, can you just tell the folks what you do at Cedar Ridge, what your uh, title is? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, I'm Murphy Quint. I'm the head distiller and director of operations at Cedar Ridge Winery and Distillery located in Swisher, Iowa. Um, if you're familiar with the state of Iowa, Swisher is right between Cedar Rapids and Iowa City. Um, so I, uh, as the director of operations, I oversee pretty much anything uh, production or grounds related. Um, we're on a about a 75-acre property out in Swisher, Iowa, so there's a lot of moving pieces at all times. Um, obviously, my specialty is in uh, whiskey production and uh, specifically whiskey blending and marrying. Um, however, I even oversee uh, things like our vineyard, our winemaking. However, I, I always like to be very clear. Um, I, I that stuff that isn't my specialty. I've got some very talented people on my team that take care of all of that while I, I just kind of oversee it. It's under my realm. So um, a lot of moving pieces. But yeah, for the last uh, 15, 16 years, I've been working in the world of whiskey. Okay. And uh, the first two questions I ask anybody who comes on the podcast First thing you ever had, whiskey or bourbon, was? Uh, you know, I don't know if I can pinpoint it down to the, the first brand, but I would imagine um, that the first thing I ever, ever had was probably similar to what most people experience, and that's uh, something in, say, college, um, something cheap that I probably chased with Sprite or Coke or something like that, um, and, you know, had no idea that I was about to stumble into a, a career in the world of whiskey. So that'd be my guess. Um and a, kind of a boring answer, but if I'm being straightforward, I imagine that's what it was. Well, a lot of people's answers are going to be <laughs> Maker's Mark or Wild Turkey or something like that. It's just a, it's an icebreaker. Yeah. So, uh, where'd you For go to sure. college? Um, so I actually went to Kirkwood Community College, but um, I actually had a kind of a, I cheated the system a little bit. I went to a community college, but I lived with a bunch of people that went to the University of Iowa. So I think wow. by association, I'm an Iowa Hawkeye, but I never uh, paid the tuition. Well, my uh, my football team might be seeing you all in the Peach Bowl, hopefully. Oh, oh that, that's very true. That's very true. Who knows what's going to happen? We just had a, a heartbreaking loss uh, to Purdue, of all teams, and uh, our season just got kind of derailed. I was hoping that we'd be in the national championship this year. So. Well, I'm a Kentucky fan, so uh, we just <laughs> lost to Georgia pretty bad so i'm just happy to be in, in the conversation this year absolutely no that program has come a very long way that's for sure all right so uh next question i always ask anybody the most uh the, the best or most interesting pour you ever had yeah that's that's another good question um and i i've been very very fortunate um to have worked in this industry for a long time and i've made a lot of good friends that that are passionate about it too so i've had i've had many dreams over the years that are um, you know, really, really exciting, some really rare ones. But um, honestly, I think my favorite drams are the ones that I've enjoyed with, with co-workers at the distillery over the years. Um, so I've, I, obviously I'm at Cedar Ridge now, but I also worked at Stranahan's for a couple of years. And there's something about uh, enjoying the product that you make with the people that you make it with. And it's really memorable. So I, I would say that just uh, the dreams that I've had at the distilleries that I've worked at with fellow distillers. All right. Uh, um, are you a dusty guy or do you prefer uh, current modern things? Oh, I, I like it all, man. I okay. like it all. I mean, it, it, it is really cool to uh, get a dusty bottle that, uh, you know, you don't normally run by. That's always really exciting. 
Um, same with same with age. You know, it's fun to have something that's you know thirty years old and think about you know while this whiskey was in a barrel for thirty years. You know, I my, I was I was three years old and now I'm thirty three. And you know, it, it's fun to play that whole again. That's always really exciting. Uh, but I enjoy it all. I'm I'm always open to something new, and I like trading with you know distillers that work throughout the country, and I like uh, sharing pairs with other fellow whiskey aficionados. So speaking of your past in Colorado, can you sort of give us a rundown of uh, how you got to where you are now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I had I had a very easy step into the door um, of this industry, and normally that's the hardest part. People always ask me. You know, how, how do you get a job in the world of whiskey? And just getting your foot in the door is the hardest part. And that's where I was fortunate. Uh, when I was 15 years old, my parents started Cedar Ridge. So, um, you know, by default, I was kind of helping them out on nights and weekends, uh, just earning some extra money to fill my gas tank and stuff like that. But um, after college, my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, um, we, we wanted to kind of have a change of pace. And we loaded up a moving van and just showed up in Colorado and, uh, while I was out there, I worked at an awesome food distribution company for a couple of years while I kind of got my feet under me. And uh, then I, I basically started calling Stranahan's every couple of weeks until they finally hired me. Um, and that, that my time at Stranahan's, that's when I really fell in love with the industry. I mean, I obviously had a lot of knowledge and experience in it already from my, my early years at Cedar Ridge. But uh, being out in Colorado at one of the most amazing distilleries in the country and then just being uh, in that state where, where Coloradoans just rally behind awesome whiskeys and great beers and cool wines. I mean, they're, they're all about it. It was very eye opening to me and it really, uh, kind of changed my path. And I decided that's, you know, I'm going all in on it. That was kind of my, my light bulb moment. I'm going all in on whiskey. And so, um, obviously I worked there for a few years as a, um, a brewer distiller and then eventually became packaging manager. And then uh, my wife and I, we wanted to head back to the Midwest and start a family and be closer to our family. So that's when I got reintroduced back at Cedar Ridge. So, um, you know, I've, I've pretty much touched every step of the industry at this point. I've worked behind the tasting bar. I've obviously worked in production and I've worked in packaging. Uh, I was a director of sales and distribution for a while. So I've kind of touched all the bases and it's been a, a very fun ride. I'm very fortunate to have been on it. Did you bring your love of malt home from Strahan's? Um, absolutely. So, um, yes, that's a great way to put it. Um, so at Cedar Ridge, we're, we're a bourbon distillery, right? We're here in the middle of corn country. Um, Iowa produces more corn than basically any other country in the world. Um, I think except for like Brazil or something, but but the point is we have a ton of corn here. And so, um, we're by nature, a bourbon distillery. However, my background and my time out in Colorado, I obviously became a huge fan of American single malt whiskey. And it's something that I'm still very passionate about. Um, I really want to see that category grow. And so, yeah, it was only a matter of time until, you know, I wanted to help uh, launch an American single malt whiskey at Cedar Ridge. And so that's when we came out with our, our quintessential single malt. So it's been out for uh, almost two years now and it's doing really well for us. And I'm excited to see uh, what the future holds for it. Is that a, a, a continuous release or is that like a yearly release? Um, so it's actually a vatted malt. <laughs> so the way that we do it, and it's kind of a mouthful, but mm-hmm. um, all of our single malt starts out aged in our used bourbon barrels for about the first three years. And then after that, we move it to a unique finishing cask of some sort, say, uh, at wine, uh, sherry, brandy, rum, uh, you know, 
all sorts of different casks that will let it finish out in for another few years. And then I strategically marry it into our, our Solera vat. So, um, you know, once I fill it up, we'll bottle it halfway down and then we'll fill it back up. We'll bottle it halfway down and fill it back up. So what we've got is this vat that is constantly evolving in flavor profile. And I don't mean in, in like huge jumps. It's not like, you know, batch one is super sherry and batch two is super peated. You know, it's, it's not going to evolve that much. But what I'm looking for is uh, like incremental change, just small baby steps in one direction or another to see where this vat goes over time. So anyway, it's a ton of fun uh, working with this Solera vat system and all these finishing casks. It's kind of a distiller's dream. You know, I, I like I said, I love producing bourbon. Uh, but the downside of bourbon and rye is that once you put it in a barrel, you're kind of done with it from at least like a creative standpoint. With single malt, you can really, really shape it. Uh, you can shape the flavor profile and the aroma over time by using different finishing casks and by, uh, you know, blending or marrying different uh, different malts together and stuff. It can be so much fun. So I'm obviously very passionate about American single malt whiskey. Do you uh, do you only use Solera on the uh, the malt whiskey, or do you use it on the bourbon as well? Right now, we only use it on the uh, the malted. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right now, just the single malt. Um, you know, we've talked about maybe incorporating it in our other whiskeys one day, but for right now, it's just a single malt thing for us. I don't know if you ever heard of uh, Dancing Goat or not, but I've uh, I talked to the one of the guys up there about that <laughs> about their Solera aging. Absolutely. So I don't know a ton about them, but I definitely know the name. Yep. Um, so when it comes to malt whiskey, I'm not. I I'm a bourbon guy through through and through, and I've I have a an almost unbridled hatred of uh, scotch. So <laughs> when they sent me that bottle of quintessential, I was like, oh, I did, they didn't tell me what it was when they sent it to me. I'm going to do a separate review of it, but I already tried it. <laughs> and it definitely was more my pace than a normal scotch when I think scotch. I just don't I don't get into the peated thing. It yep. it just throws me all off the earthy the earthiness of the peat just it's all it's that's not my cup of tea. But that wasn't um, overwhelming. Uh totally. And that, you know, I think that's a pretty common response. Um, obviously being a, a bourbon distillery, um I, I get to talk with a lot of people who are, who are huge on bourbon. And that seems to be the thing is, you know, I'm, I'm a bourbon guy. I don't really like scotch. And, um, you know, I, I think that ours, our single malt, while it does have plenty of scotch characteristics to it, and there is just a tad of peat in it, I think it can be tolerable for someone who, who doesn't typically go that route like yourself. So um, hopefully over time, you know, we, we see both categories grow. I don't want to see bourbon go anywhere because bourbon's bourbon is our business. You know, I, I wouldn't want to lose that. But I do hope that more people, uh, give American single malt whiskey a chance, mainly, you know, if I can say that there's there's one thing that should hook a person, mainly because of the variety. There's just there's just such differences between bottles um, because the rules to make American single malt aren't quite as restrictive. Like I said, you get all those different casks and types of malt that can really uh, allow a distiller to be creative throughout the process. So speaking of bourbon and your old bourbon, uh, it's called Iowa bourbon. Is there a reason why it's specifically Iowa bourbon? Uh, great question. And so, um, you know, Iowa bourbon as of right now is not a category like say, like say Tennessee whiskey. Mm. Um, so it, there, there's no like criteria to qualify as an Iowa bourbon. So in that sense, it would just be a fanciful name. Um, but <laughs> the reason why we, we, the reason why we use it is um, one we're in Iowa. We're using Iowa corn 
um, in, in our bourbon. And obviously bourbon, by law, has to be primarily made from corn. So we, we wanted to give that shout out. And then secondly, um, it, it's just a nod to the state of Iowa. Um, we started out back in 2005 as, as a literal garage distillery. Um, we were we were in like a garage off, off the side of another building just getting our feet under us, and, and we were just so incredibly small. And Iowans came out, and they supported us. They, they kind of stood by us, um, you know, in our early stages. And, you know, who knows? I can't even remember what the product was like back then, but maybe maybe it was, you know, mediocre at best. Who knows? But my point is they, they stood by us, and they, they rallied behind us, and they kind of waited for us to become what we are now. And, you know, we'll never forget that. We wouldn't be, we wouldn't be where we are now without Iowan support. So we definitely want to keep the word Iowa on that label just to kind of give a shout out to the Iowans. Uh, and speaking of your history, I mean, you, you mentioned earlier that your uh, dad and your mom uh, uh, owned the, or the uh, winery and made a distillery. What made them decide to get into distilling from winery? I assume it started out as a winery. Uh, yes, yes. And that's a great question. Uh, so what happened there um, was uh, just differentiation. So there's there's so many Iowa wineries, right? Believe it or not, we actually have a really good wine state here. Um, and, and a quick shout out to our winemaker, Kent Falker uh, at Cedar Ridge. He's, he's one of the best I've ever seen do it. But um, anyway, in the state of Iowa, we have a pretty good wine landscape going. And what we wanted to do early on is differentiate our wineries. So that was kind of my dad's thought process there is, well, why would we go to Cedar Ridge? Well, they also have a still there and they produce some brandy and some, some rum and some whiskey and, you know, basically just offer some stuff you can't get at other wineries. So that, that was the very early thought was to just differentiate, but obviously people were very intrigued by it. And then it went from kind of a differentiating piece to a bigger part of the puzzle. And then, but you know, fast forward to now, I mean, we, we have a distillery that uh, produces whiskeys that are available in you know, 35 states and five different countries. And um, our winery uh, still does amazing things. We produce about 20,000 gallons a year of really good wine, but it's more of a a local offering. So basically our business model completely flip-flopped on us. We went from a a winery that differentiates with the distillery to a distillery that differentiates with the winery. So it sounds like a a, a sort of like a Huber's uh, path. Huber's winery. Absolutely. Yep, and, and there's a there's a couple of them out there now. Um, it's still pretty uncommon to be a winery distillery combination, but yeah. uh, there, there's a few of them popping up, which is really great to see. I think I think they go hand in hand, and I think that there's a definite benefit to being both. Um, for instance, especially on that single ball, like I said, we've got all those casks available from our winery, and they're freshly dumped, and we can fill them the same day if we want to with single ball to finish out. So we get these these fresh wet casks that we can utilize, whereas you know, if, if we had to source those from a winery across the country, by the time they got to us, they'd be much drier. And I'm not saying that's that's good or bad. I'm just saying it would be different. And uh, I'm very thankful that we're both because we have that that advantage on our side. Do you have to, what do they have to do if it's a drier cast? Do they wet it or does it just go in as is? I mean, it just goes in as is, but um, the, the whiskey will pull some of that, you know, if it's a yeah. wine barrel or a pork cask, it will pull some of that out of the wood over time. Um, so it's not to say that it, it's like the end of the world. Um, you'll just get some some bolder flavors um, if that cask is still freshly dumped and there's actually like a tad of sitting liquid in the bottom. You know that that, that wood is saturated with wine or pork or whatever it had been in there, and it's going to pull just a little bit more flavor out of it in that case. Play with the proof a little bit too? 
Uh, yeah, it will definitely do that. Um, it'll it'll drop that proof down a little bit because obviously wine is going to be lower proof than than whiskey. So it'll drop it down a tad, but nothing overwhelming. You know, I'm not talking like like we're uh, you know if it's a 53 gallon barrel, I'm not saying that like three gallons of it are wine or anything. Yeah, just uh, it's it's a very conditioned cask. So yeah, it'll pick up those flavors and it will drop the proof down maybe one point. They normally like to empty those pretty uh, pretty well. Absolutely. Yep. So absolutely. Uh, speaking of uh, your all's bourbon, I was looking on the website and said you all have uh, 75% corn. Is that what the mash bill is? And you put it in the barrel at a higher proof. Can you tell me what the thought process behind those two things are? Uh, so, yeah, yeah, closer. So the mash bill is 74% corn, okay. 14 rye, and 12% malted barley. Um, so, you know, it, it, that's not like... That's not like crazily high corn content, but mm-hmm. it, it is pretty high. And uh, the main reason we wanted to do that is because we're the corn state. We want our whiskey to, you know, represent that as best as possible. And then, as far as the proof, um, it's not the it's not the entry proof. All of our all of our whiskey goes into the barrel at 120 proof. Okay. Um, but what I think you're referring to is that we do distill to a slightly higher proof. Um, you know, we we might hit um, 140, 144 even in the distillation process. And that is pretty common. That's a little bit higher than most people uh, would take their proof up to in that distillation process. But what it's going to do is it's going to give us a little bit more approachable flavor profile. And that's what we're going for. We want our Cedar Ridge, Iowa bourbon to be nice, easy slipping whiskey. Um, It's not going to be overly bold or aggressive. And by distilling to a slightly higher proof, uh, we're going to be able to accomplish that. Do you add water to it before you put it in the barrel then? Or is it just... (laughs) Oh yeah, yep. So um, it, it goes from that, you know, say 140 proof. Uh, we hit it with reverse osmosis water down okay. to barrel entry proof, which is 120. Yep. Nice, interesting. I always find it interesting that the little intricate details of distilling yeah. <laughs> that you don't hear about a lot. You sort of wonder those those little those little tidbits. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, moving on, I <clears throat> when I started looking into your all stuff and uh, sort of getting down to what you actually distill. I noticed that you all had a, uh, a collaboration with Slipknot, which I found yeah. interesting. How did that come about? Uh, what kind of whiskey is that? What do they do? They have what kind of input do they have for that? Um, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's been a ton of fun working with these guys, um, especially uh, Clown, uh, whose name is Sean, but in the band he goes by Clown. Um, he he runs point on this uh, this product, this collaboration product, and uh, just does a great job. So anyway, it kind of started, they, they reached out to us, uh, their manager reached out to us one day, uh, just saying that, uh, you know, they were thinking about getting in the world of whiskey and that they were going to meet with a few distilleries and, you know, would we be interested in sitting down and kind of talking shop? And uh, obviously we did. Uh, we decided to sit down with them and we quickly learned, both parties learned that it was going to be a really good fit. You know, they, just like us, they really care about the state of Iowa. They're an Iowan band. And while they could have worked with pretty much any distillery on the planet, um, it was important to them work, to work with an Iowa distillery. And that's something that, that means a lot to us, too. So it just seemed like a really good fit. And then, like I said, Clown, um, he he's very, very involved, um, which is which I think is a special note to this product. I mean, he actually came out one day and the two of us, we tasted through a number of barrels and uh, did a bunch of different blends and different proofs. And he's the one that basically designed the whole thing. I was just kind of his guide along the way. And what he landed on was a, a 60% bourbon with 40% rye blend. So it's a, a burr rye, if you will, bourbon blended with rye. 
And uh, he decided that we would do two products, and one would be 90 proof, the other would be 99. And it's obviously called number nine whiskey. So he went kind of went all in on that nine thing. Um, and that is representative of uh, the ninth member of their band, which is the fans. So um, he, yeah, very, very focused on developing this whiskey with us. Um, I think we've only scratched the surface so far, and I'm excited to see where we end up. Did you ever think you would be working with a guy named Clown? <laughs> um, no, no, I didn't. And I didn't, but I'm really, really glad I did. Um, I mean, you know, some of my favorite days at work are when he comes out and, you know, we'll sit in the conference room and you kind of just, you, you know, you don't want to put clown in a box, man. You want to, you want to kind of lob out a question and you just want to let him ramble for like 10 minutes because he'll, he'll come up with a golden idea. I mean, or, or like a number of them. He's the most creative guy I've ever met in my life. And so it, it's just been awesome. It's been fun to sit and listen to him talk and, um, you know, kind of see how he thinks. It's been really neat. This will be the last time I record a podcast while my kids are still awake. <laughs> <laughs> we missed it earlier. We're getting it again. The oldest is uh, having himself a fit. So enjoy everybody at home when you listen to this podcast. <laughs> well, hopefully you don't jinx me because mine are right, right on the other side of this door, and they're probably going to do the same thing here soon. So. Well, at least you have a door. <laughs> This, this exactly. open this open basement is not is not uh, conducive to quiet. So, <laughs> moving on from the uh, the Slipknot, you all have other products. You mentioned rye as well. I mean, you all produce a rye as well. What what's the is it a hundred percent rye mash bill? Uh, um, it, it is not a hundred percent rye. It's you know roughly seventy percent rye um, with uh, a blend of corn and barley in there as well. Um, so it, it's similar to our. Uh, bourbon mash bill just switch the rye with the, the corn there um and and that's been a ton of fun too um you know and it it doesn't get the love that it deserves within our product portfolio portfolio and that's mainly because like you just can't be known for everything right um it's going to be tough like even people listening to this podcast it's going to be tough for them to say oh wow cedar ridge i was listening to the podcast and oh they make this really great bourbon and and cool single malt and they have a, a cool collaboration with slipknot and they made great rye you know they're they're not going to that's not all going to be fresh on their mind. So basically you can only develop so many products at once, so many brands at once. And that's kind of why our rye takes the back seat. With that being said, uh, it, it's really great. Uh, we're really proud of it. We love making it. And um, we do have some fun special releases coming out uh, later this year and early next year. It'll kind of get it on more people's radar right now. It's just kind of, uh, like I said, flying under that radar. Can you give us a, uh, a clue to what the, the special releases are? I'm absolutely. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I mean, one or two of them here. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're and this isn't like super uncommon. I know a lot of people are doing it these days, but um, because we're a winery distillery combination, we we can and it's a lot easier. We're going to release some uh, rye finished in port casks, which is a very hot item right now. Mm -hmm. So um, I think people will be very excited about that. And then we're just going to come up with a, a bottled and bond version as well. So there, there's some other fun stuff we have planned that I. I don't know for sure we're going to do yet, so I can't release that. But I know that we are going to do those two. Have you all started? Have you thought about doing uh, any more cast strength releases besides? I think the single barrels you all do the picks are cast strength. Yes, um, absolutely. That that is something that um, we 100% plan to do, um, and that's launch a cast strength offering. Um, we're not sure on the timing of it. You know, one of the hardest things to do in this in this game is forecast whiskey right how yeah. like the stuff that we needed to the stuff that we want to sell today 
we needed to produce, you know, say four years ago. And four years ago, you know, we were just guessing how popular our brand is going to be today. And luckily we did a pretty good job of it, but it's tough to do it perfectly. And so, you know, I think right now we could absolutely release another bourbon successfully. Um, and that would be a cask strength offering. Um, but, you know, we also have to make sure that we're not being foolish with our inventory. You know, that's our ammo. And uh, we don't want to we don't want to waste it, um, you know, because there will be a gap in what we have available down the road. So we do think that next year we'll be able to offer a cask strength bourbon. Um, but the tough part there is that our, our standard 86 proof Iowa bourbon that that has become very, very popular in the Midwest, especially in the state of Iowa. It's become the number one selling bourbon in the state. And so. You know, we just want to make sure that we don't do something where we're stealing whiskey away from that to uh, to create another product, even though it would be very fun and the whole team really wants to do it. Yeah. I should have asked them to send me some of your old rye. I really get into rye. I do a lot of Driftless Glen uh, picks and things like that up here. Oh, I love Driftless. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's something that we can do. We can definitely send you a sample of our rye. I'd be honored to, uh, to hear what you think of it. I think my group's done six single barrel picks with Driftless. Oh man, they're they're awesome! What a great distillery, and uh, they do a really good job. That's because Justin won't leave me alone. <laughs> um, so basically, we're up we're up to almost thirty minutes now. So it, it, we'll sort of start closing it down. Is there anything you want the the people to listen to the podcast to know before we uh, turn her off? Um, you know, I, I don't know if there's anything else I wanted to know, but, um, you know, I always, I always recommend, um, getting out there and exploring whiskey. And I know that anyone listening to this is already a, a whiskey fan, so that shouldn't be too hard, but, um, just by nature, we all have a tendency to find the category or the, the brand or the bottle that we'd like and, uh, and really get fixated on that. And, and I just urge people not to do that. Um, get out there and explore uh, everything that there is to offer. There's never been a more exciting time in the world of whiskey. Um, whether you like bourbons, rye, single malts, you name it, there's just so much cool stuff going on. So get out there and explore different cast finishes, explore different mash bills, and, and just geek out about it. It's really fun stuff. So get out there and explore whiskey. Well, my friend uh, Don Mateo pours whiskey for you all at groups, and he's been uh, singing your praises for a while. <laughs> hey, Don Mateo is one of the coolest guys I know. I love that guy. Yeah. Every every Zoom call we have with him, he's leaned back in the Rick House. It's uh, it's his backdrop, so he he's <laughs> he's a fun guy. All right, oh, he, he sure is. Yep. I appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us a little lowdown on uh, Cedar Ridge, and I look forward to what you all have coming in the future. Yeah. Hey, thanks thanks a lot for having me on, and hopefully we can do this again down the road. Yep. And uh, until next time, enjoy your pours and enjoy your family. <laughs>